want to ask you, if you haven't already, um, this is what we have so far to provide for our preschool uh, and the uh, Indian Atlantic Elementary as well as Hoover. Uh, this is not nearly enough, so as you have time this week, uh, we are taking up school supplies to provide uh, for the teachers as well as the classrooms as is sort of one of our mission efforts that we do uh, with, with some annual re- regularity. So you, the lists are kind of around the campus, and you can grab one of those, and just as you are shopping uh, this week, we are going to be taking these items over this Friday, uh, this coming Friday. I don't know if you realize this. I literally just kind of dawned on me this morning that today is the last day of July. and so uh, here we go. Uh, and so this is an incredible, this, this alone has opened up some incredible doors uh, for our relationship, especially with the middle school. So uh, as you feel that, as you are able, uh, if you would grab some extra school supplies that we can take over this week. Uh, along those lines of, of a mission field right on our own campus, uh, for the month of August, we could use uh, two or three extra pairs of hands for uh, the morning drop-off when our preschool families bring uh, their little people to us during the week. We could use two or three uh, helpers uh, just to get them from the car to the classroom. Uh, if you think you might be able to give one or two mornings or just, you know, during the, the first weeks in August, that's all we're really looking uh, for. Uh, if you'll see Laura Sink, uh, is Laura in here or is she in the back with the kids? She's in the back with the kids. If you'll just let Laura or Jen know uh, that you would be willing to do that, we could use uh, some help there. Also, uh, the Lord has provided. We've got three brand new teachers, uh, but we are still looking for an assistant. If you know somebody that's looking for an opportunity to, to work and serve in that capacity. You'll also notice in your handout that we are starting our evangelism training this week. There's one on Tuesday evening as well as one on Thursday evening. Uh, we want to encourage you to be a part of that if you can. Uh, if you can even let us know that you're coming. Just call the office or let Karen or Gary or Elmer or myself know. Uh, we we want to be able to be organized and ready for you. But, but look in your handout, see when those times are, and be a part of that as well. Um, also, this weekend, our backstage theater group, the theater group has been um, working on Schoolhouse Rock. I don't know if you, any of you remember that from a way back, you know, the I'm just a bill, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, and I got to tell you, we were here yesterday, and it was so much fun. As a matter of fact, not because I have to, but because I want to, I'm coming twice. It was just so much fun. I cannot wait to see this one again. I'm telling you, it'd be worth the hour of your afternoon. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh. Come back and see for yourself. Oh my gosh. It was so much fun. The last thing before we, we, we dive into God's Word together, I do want to emphasize again, uh, we're going to be explaining a little bit more in the days to come, but I want you to circle Sunday, September 11th on your calendar. I want to ask you to be here. I want to ask you to, to remove obstacles, and I want to ask you to be here that Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a great day of worship, uh, but we're also going to have lunch afterwards, and, and we really need every, every member of our faith family to be here that day as we cast what we feel is God's vision for the for the near future of our church, of our faith family. So September 11th, please mark that day down and make it a priority to be here. Today is the 31st, which makes it a fifth Sunday, which means today the kids are staying in here with us, but we want to ask all the kids, K through 6, K through 5, K through whatever, and just if you're a kid, 
Come on down. And uh, Jen, our new minister of children and families, uh, we're going to have a time in God's word with her. And then we're, we'll, we'll continue our worship. So kids, come on down. Come on down and have a seat right here. There you go. And face me, if you would. I need to see your, your good-looking faces. All of you, come on up. While if they're you... doing that, if you'll turn to Psalm 91. While they're doing that, if you'll turn to Psalm 91. Come on down here. You know, just as I suspected. Yep, you're all good-looking. All right. All right, I'm going to have a seat here. So today, because you're all in here, I thought I'd take the opportunity to kind of... We're going to have our own time. Have a seat. Thanks. <laughs> we are in Psalm 91. Say the word Psalm. 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 Good job. Okay. So in the book of Psalms, I need to. So it happens you didn't get too many things in your hands. Does your mom ever have too many things in her hands? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. The answer to that is yes, by the way. Uh, okay. So it says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. He will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So there's a bunch of verses in this chapter, but I want to focus on that one. Now, I have all boys at my house. I have all sons, and which, which is fun. So forts are kind of my thing like not really my thing it's it's a part of my life but it started a part of my life really early so one summer I was spending the summer at my grandmother's house in Arkansas and all of my cousins are boys and they began to do what cousins do and they were messing with me a little bit oh the other thing you need to know is that they grew up in the country and I grew up in the city so they were saying things like, you don't know how to build a fort, you're a girl. And they were saying things like, they don't have forts in the city. Well, that might be sort of true. But I was determined that I was going to build a fort. So what I did is I snuck off when they weren't paying attention and I was gonna build my own fort all by myself. Well, there was a neighbor girl who found out what I was doing, and she's like, I heard your cousins talking. They were, they were talking a little smack. And so, uh, can I help you build your fort? I said, yeah, we'll have a girl fort. It'll be awesome. So they didn't know we were building this fort. Nobody knew where it was. It was a secret. And I put it up on top of a hill so I could see my cousins coming. And instead of building it really high in a tree so they could see it, we worked really hard and we dug down in the ground. Because my idea was when they approached, because I could see them coming, we were going to jump up out of the ground and I was going to shoot them with Nerf guns. Okay? This is mine. This is mine. All right? Okay. So, just so you know, for all purposes, it did happen. It was great. But before that part, we were... I was working on the fort one day, and I look up in the sky, and it looks like it's getting ready to rain. And I thought, hmm, I should hurry up. Well, then all of a sudden the wind picks up, and I start hearing thunder, and I see lightning, and I start, and then I hear this, like, it, you know how it thunders and it rumbles? The rumble didn't stop. And so I look up, and there is a tornado coming right at me. 
okay? I'm by myself. I'm in like fifth grade and I'm in the woods and I'm like, "Uh oh, <laughs> this is bad. So what do you think I did? Any guesses? I didn't run because you don't run from a tornado. That's just my tip for the day. Yeah. What? I, I jumped in my fort because it was in the ground and it protected me. Yeah. So I dug it up and I had, I'd cut down trees to put over the top of it so that the boys couldn't see me. Okay. It took me a really long time. It was like an all summer project. <laughs> it was, it was, it never, and it's like your, it's like those projects that your parents have at home that still aren't finished. It's, it was the same. Okay. So here I have some pictures with me of other kind of forts because God says in his word that he will protect us, that he is our fortress, but he says that he'll take care of the sparrow. Well, he gives them kind of forts. So their nest is kind of like their fort. It's where they go to keep, it's where the mom and dad bird keep their baby birds to keep them safe. Okay. We also have this kind of fort, like a castle. I always wanted a castle. Anybody have a castle? You have a castle? Does it have a moat? If I had a castle, it would have a moat with sharks swimming around it with lasers on their back. Okay. Um, there's also, also kind of fortresses like in a cave. The Bible actually talks about these kind, about how it protects us. But here's, here's the thing. I told you that story because my fort protected me physically. But it says here in God's word in Psalm that I say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. So this is saying that God is a refuge. God is a safe place. That God is a fortress. And I think of my fort that I built, but God is a different kind of fort. He's a fortress, but he protects more than just us physically. Did you know that when we're scared, God can protect us? That God can protect us, our emotions, he can protect our feelings. He can protect us through hard things. He can protect us even, even when things don't go our way and our feelings are hurt. That we can go to him when we have those big emotions or we have big life stuff that's really hard to deal with. God can be our fortress. So instead of building a moat around your house, although that would be cool. And if you need help, call me. Okay. We can go to God and we can say, God, I need you to be my fortress. I need you to protect me. Say that with me. Say, God, be my fortress. Good job. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are big enough and strong enough to protect us, that you can protect us when we need you. Lord, your word says that we are to ask for that help. So, Lord, help us when we're not sure what to do and we're scared. Lord, help us to turn to you for our strength. That you would help us to just dwell in you and take refuge in you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, wait, before you go, two things. Number one, we have packets for you. There should be enough for all of you. You can get one. Also... Um, some of our students, our youth over here have volunteered and they have a sucker to hand you today. While they're doing that, if you'll find Psalm 91, and if you will, if you are physically able, if you would join us in standing in the honor of the reading of God's word, we'll stand. It'll be on the screen.
We'll read it out loud together. Psalm 91. Let's read together. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He himself will rescue you from the bird trap, from the destructive plague. He will cover you with his feathers. You will take refuge under his wings. His faithfulness will be a protective shield. You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, the pestilence will not reach you. You will only see it with your eyes and witness the punishment of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord my refuge, the most high, your dwelling place, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Because he has his heart set on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Father, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you. You are our rock. You are our redeemer. Father, may I decrease so that you might increase, and may we conclude our time today more like you than when we started, because we have been in your presence, we have heard your voice, and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. I do not have a fort story. I have a tornado story, but I'll save that for another day. But when I was in the fifth grade, uh, because my brother had, uh, and I saw, that the, I saw the relationship that uh, it built with my, my dad, um, I began to play football. Uh, I, as a fifth grader, I entered into football. The problem with me, uh, and I may have shared this story before, but my, the problem with me is that I, I am not a super aggressive individual. Um, I, I don't like pain. And I'm not talking about like I was afraid of hurting somebody else. <laughs> I, was, I was afraid of being hurt. And, and so my dad, um, as a fifth grader, as we were getting ready to, to become a part of the team as a fifth grader, my dad took me uh, to Thompson's Sporting Goods in Savannah, Georgia. And, and we got all the, the equipment, got all the pads. And as we got home, my dad told me to go put all the equipment on and meet him in the backyard. And so I, I did. It took me a little while to get everything on. My brother helped me get everything on. And when I went into the backyard, I found my dad with all the pillows in our home duct taped to him. <laughs> and my father said, all right, son, run at me. And I remember going, this is the stupidest thing my father has ever done. And I didn't move. And he said, son, I said, run at me. And so I ran at him, and my dad 
I've got all my pads on. He's duct taped with pillows. And he just pummels me. And for the next hour, that's what we did. (laughs) Worst hour of my life. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't disobeyed him. I hadn't smarted back to my mom. But that's what we were doing. And at the end of that, my father looked at me. At the end of that hour, my father looked at me and said, Son, I just wanted to help you overcome your fear of getting hit. And I just want you to know that you will never be hit harder than you were today. (laughs) Liar, liar, pumpkin eater. I got the snot knocked out of me for the next six years. And I'm telling you right now, those guys hit a lot harder than the old man with the pillows duct taped to him. But today's psalm is about overcoming fear, realizing that we are going to have trouble in life, realizing that life is going to come at us, realizing that we are going to have trouble, realizing that we are going to have pain, realizing that we are going to have persecution. It is a psalm that is intended to give the believer, the one who places his or her uh, trust in God. For the Old Testament, it would have been a a faith in placing your life in God's hands. Uh, They were living under God and His law. And for those that are living under the New Covenant, those of us in the New Testament, uh, we place our faith and our trust in Christ, uh, Christ who fulfilled the law, but also introduced mercy and grace into the equation. This psalm, Psalm 91, is to give the believer a deeply rooted, firmly established, unshakable confidence in the person and the character of the Most High God, an unwavering faith in a God who is who He says He is, and a God who will do what He says He will do. This psalm is about the protection of provision and deliverance that God provides for the believer on this side of life as well as the life to come. But there is a a caveat, an an admonition with this particular psalm. So let's start at the beginning. Verse 1, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I like the way the New King James Version says it. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The New International say it will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Now I want to pause for just a second here and point out the overall rhythm of the psalm because I don't think we're going to make it all the way through verse by verse in just today. Verse one, verses 1 and 2 is the overall theme. Uh, we're going to come back to the theme. It's that he, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. The second section, verses 3 through 5, they are going to be characterized by the pronoun you. You'll notice that this psalm is divided into three sections that are divisible by the pronouns. In, ver- in verses 1 and 2, the psalmist, many who believe, uh, is Moses. Uh, it's a continuation of Psalm 90. Psalm 90 is about the difficulties of life. Psalm 91 is going to be about the dangers of life. Um, if you'll notice in verses 1 and 2, the psalmist uses the pronouns I and my. He is talking about himself, his perspective. Uh, in verse 2, he says, I will say concerning the Lord, who is my refuge and my fortress. He's talking about himself and his own perspective. He's talking about his own personal faith in the God he serves, in the God that he trusts, in the God in whose hands he has placed his life. Then in the second section, which is verses 3 through 13, he starts using the pronouns 
uses pronouns he and you, and he's referring to God when he says he, he's referring to the reader when he says you. And in these verses, the psalmist is demonstrating to the reader the dangers and threats that are in the world, the the powerful truth that God can and will provide and protect. Verses 3 through 8 are those dangers and those threats uh, and God's provision and protection. And then it's, 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 it's His sovereignty over all of them. So it's the dangers and threats in the world, God's sovereignty over all of them, and then it's what's required of us and what we can expect from God in order to fully experience that provision and that protection. In other words, that section, he lists the dangers and the threats. He talks about God's sovereignty over all of them. And then he also begins to talk about what is required of us and what we can expect from God when we meet those requirements. So I want to leave that up there in case you want to jot that down real quick. But he uses he for the reader, I mean, excuse me, he referring to God, and then he talks about you referencing the reader. And then the pronouns change in the third section, and the pronoun becomes a divine I. And God is the speaker in the last three verses of this psalm, uh, verses 14, 15, and 16. And I want to read these again, verses 14, 15, and 16. And by read and us, I mean all together out loud again. Because he has his heart set on me, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Now before we go back to verses 1 and 2, I want to ask you to do something with me, something that my friend Dr. Dan Wilson taught me to do. Uh, This was part of when he was guiding me and discipling me, and I was learning how to pray the Psalms, as we've mentioned before. And let me say up front, this this is an exercise that you'll want to be careful with, but it's an activity you can apply to your life, especially with the Psalms. I'm going to ask us to reread those verses together in just a second, verses 14, 15, and 16. And I want us to insert ourselves into the dialogue. And when we do that, in no way are we going to compromise the integrity of the passion passage, but we are going to insert ourselves as the readers, as the audience. Now, not all scripture allows for this. We, you can't always Um, While you can always apply scripture, you can't always insert yourself into the passage. But but often, especially with the Psalms, uh, we learn the practice of praying scripture together. So let's try it together. And here's what I'm talking about. We've, We've rearranged it for you, but I want you to read it together with me. Let's read out loud. Because I have my heart set on him, he will deliver me. He will protect me because I know his name. When I call out to him, he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will rescue me and he will give me honor. He will satisfy me with a long life and he will show me his salvation. Now we're going to do that again in just a minute because I don't want you to get lost. I want you to have a minute to read it and kind of go through the motion, but I really want you to read it and apply it in the way you just read it. 
I want you to understand that now this is not about you reading Scripture. This is, this is you putting yourself into the psalm. And again, you can't always do that with every passage, with every story, with every context. Uh, you, if you do that, every time you read Scripture, you will miss what God truly has for you in that passage, in that context. Uh, a good example, you can't, just in, you can't just insert yourself in the story of David and Goliath. It would be very, very easy to. You could easily make yourself David and all of your life circumstances, the Goliaths in your life. And that may be the application that you end up at as you walk through the story, but you can't just immediately do that because if you do, uh, you'll miss out on everything. It, it is a scriptural truth, Deuteronomy 31.6, which is quoted by uh, the author of Hebrews. He says, I will never leave you. I'll never abandon you. He says, and just a little bit after that, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can, what can a man do to me? It is a, it is a scriptural truth that you are going to be equipped to face the giants in your life. But if you immediately insert yourself, if you immediately substitute yourself for David and your circumstances for Goliath, you'll deny the passage the opportunity to interact with you and impact you the way that God initially intended it to when he inserted that story in Scripture. So you can't do it with everything, even though you can eventually make those kinds of applications. So don't ever start there, but you can, with the Psalms, to some degree, insert yourself into the Psalm. So I want to do this because the Psalms have been given to us to equip us and enable us to express ourselves to our Creator. So let's read it together again. And I want you to really put yourself into the psalm. Let's read it together again. Because I have my heart set on Him, He will deliver me. He will protect me because I know His name. We're going to start over because I really want you to emphasize the you in the psalm. When he says I, when it says me, you're not talking about the collective group that's all reading together right now. It's me. It's Jonathan. It's you. Let's start again. Because I have my heart set on him, he will deliver me. He will protect me because I know his name. When I call out to him, he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will rescue me and give me honor. He will satisfy me with a long life, and he will show me his salvation. Now let's go back to the beginning. We're going to understand what Psalm 91 is all about. It's all about facing danger, facing threats, facing temptation, facing trouble on this side of life. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm going to use the New King James Version, which I read a moment ago. It's he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. No matter what translation you use, There is an activity on God's part as well as a responsibility of the reader here. The heartbeat of the psalm, as we summarized a moment ago, is God's protection, His provision, His deliverance for the believer from those dangers, those threats, those temptations, that trouble. But the the Psalm 91 is specifically for somebody, and it is for dwellers. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. And the word dwell, when it is translated from the Hebrew word yeshaw, means to remain, to sit, to abide. It means to live in conscious fellowship with, to draw daily strength from. Chuck Swindoll compares it to the idea of of living off the land. 
This idea that when you live off the land, you're letting it provide for you in the same way we live off the God that we serve. We are continually aware of and involved with God's presence in our lives. Dwell, yesha, remain, sit, abide, live in conscious fellowship with, draw daily strength from he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The protection, provision, and deliverance are offered here are not for everyone. Charles Spurgeon says it like this, the blessings here promised are not for all believers, but for those who live in close fellowship with God. This is not talking about eternal salvation. This is talking about the, the, the experience, having a, a firsthand experience with the presence, an ongoing firsthand experience with the presence of God in your life. It's for those who live in close fellowship with God. Every child of God looks towards the inner sanctuary and the mercy seat, yet all do not dwell in the most holy place. They run to it at times and they enjoy occasional approaches, but they do not habitually reside in the mysterious presence. Only dwellers, only those who draw daily strength and wisdom from an intimacy with God that only comes by regular fellowship and nearness with him. I want to break it down a little bit further and then I want to take us to the New Testament. The last part of verse 1 says if we dwell in the shelter of the Most High, we will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a different Hebrew term. The word for abide literally means it's abide, which is loon, which means to lodge or to pass the night. It means that you found rest. You found shelter and you found rest. You, you, you became comfortable enough. You became safe enough. You experienced his protection and provision to the point that not only did you relax, but you found rest in him. It's communicating that time of true rest. Well, you not only just let your guard down and let him protect you, let him provide you, and you found rest in the shelter of his wings. So what's this, what is verse one saying as the psalmist heads towards this conversation about dangers and troubles? Verse one is telling the dweller, the one who submits his trust and his faith and, his, and he places his or her life into the hands and into the will of God the Father. The dweller who draws daily strength and wisdom, the daily the, the dweller who keeps his sins confessed. And, and when you confess your sins, you are forgiven. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. What this passage is, is also teaching us about that is keep a very short account of your sins. Don't, don't go weeks and weeks at a time and not come to God and say, please forgive me, but keep a very short account of your sins with God so that he forgives and you go day by day in his presence, not being removed from his presence because of your sin. But the dweller who draws daily strength and wisdom, the dweller who the dweller who keeps his sins confessed. If we dwell in his presence, if we abide in his presence, then we will experience, even enjoy the benefits of living under his protective care, of living in the rest that he promises. Turn with me to John's gospel. John's gospel. If you're new to Bible study, John's gospel is the fourth gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Find John's gospel and turn to the 15th chapter of John's gospel. If you hit Acts or Romans, you've gone a little bit too far. Lord willing, we're going to begin a journey next January. I am so excited about where we're going to be in God's word in the next several months and even next year. But next, next year, 2023, we're going to be working our way through the gospel of John. It's going to be so much fun. But John chapter 15 is one of my absolute favorite teachings of Jesus because it is one where he calls us into an intimate relationship with himself. And using what would have been a familiar analogy for his audience, Jesus offered the, the following. He said, verse 1, I am the true vine, 
and my Father is the gardener. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now listen to this, verse 4. Listen to this. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. Jesus is talking. I am the vine. You are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And I'd normally stop here because that's one of my favorite verses, but I don't have time. I'm just going to save that for next year. So come back, y'all. You can do nothing without me. Verse 6, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they throw them into the fire and they burn. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. My father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. The word carries with it the same meaning as dwell and abide, to sit, to rest, to live in intentional relationship, to be in purposeful fellowship, to draw daily strength from. Because when we remain in him and we abide in him, that is when our lives fulfill their purpose. That is when we accomplish the good works that he prepared ahead of time for us to do Ephesians chapter 2. That is when we experience the full measure of his protection, of his provision, of his deliverance. And don't misunderstand it. The verse, the passage, the psalm is not telling us that we won't experience trouble, that we won't experience trials, that we won't experience problems, that we won't experience opposition, that we won't experience fill in the blanks. The promise is that in him we have the ultimate shelter, we have the ultimate provider. We have the ultimate protector. We have the eternal healer. That is what the psalm is providing. That is what the psalm is promising. That is what the psalmist is trying to communicate to us. And he's communicating because he's experienced it in his own life. And he's writing it down so that his testimony can then become our testimony that the same God that provided for him, the same God that protected for him, the same God that delivered him is the same God that can provide, protect, and deliver us no matter the circumstances that we face on this side of life. And that gives us the ability to go back to verses 14, 15, and 16. Read it with me again. Because I have my heart set on him, he will deliver me. He will protect me because I know his name. When I call out to him, he will answer me. He will be with me in trouble. He will rescue me and he will give me honor. He will satisfy me with a long life and he will show me his salvation. This psalm is written to three audiences. The first audience is those who need to experience that ultimate healing. We, we call it salvation. We, we need to be saved. Well, what do we need to be saved from? We need to be saved from our sin. What is sin? Sin is anything that you and I do that is in disobedience to God. 
When we do the things that God tells us not to do, when we don't do the things that God tells us to do, when we don't meet God's standards, that sin, sin separates us from God, and sin sends us to an eternity apart from God. And we need to be saved from that. And that's what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus was the sacrifice. Jesus was the cost. Jesus was the payment for your and I's sins. And Jesus made it so that we could have a relationship with him. And and what this psalm is telling you is that you won't even understand what it's like to be in the provision or the protection of the deliverance because you need to be saved first and foremost. The second person that this is talking to is the person that needs to learn how to abide. The person needs to learn to dwell even more deeply in their relationship with God. You need to learn how to study, how to spend time in God's Word. You need to learn how to study and spend time in prayer. You need to be in a community that takes you deeper into your relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the third is you need to be the one that's helping this this second crowd go deeper in their relationship. There's those of us who need to be discipled. Small hint, that's everybody. And then there are those of you that God is calling to be disciple makers. Small hint, if you are a follower of Christ, you have been called to be a disciple maker. You should have individuals in your life who you are going deeper with. You should have individuals in your life that you are pouring into and helping them become more like Christ. We don't just say it when people are baptized. We don't just say it when we're dedicating. We need to be living it. Because we need everybody to experience what it means to dwell and to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. Only found in the person of Jesus Christ and in the presence and the shelter of the Most High God. Today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is nothing more that Jen would like to talk with you about than beginning a relationship with Jesus. There's nothing more that Karen would like to talk with you about than beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's nothing more Zach or Stephen or Gary or Elmer or Tony or Carly. There's nothing more important that they would rather talk with you about than beginning a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll be right here. You don't have to leave today without making that decision. You also don't have to leave wondering, how do I go deeper? Just talk to somebody. Any of these folks will we'll, we'll set you up with somebody who's a disciple maker. But for those of you who are like, you know, it's time. I, I need to start disciple making. We'll talk to you about that too. Let's stand. Let's close in a word of prayer this morning. I don't know what they're calling you. Is it grandpa? Is it pop? Is it grandpa? Would you come up? Would you close us in a word? This is Zach's dad. Would you close us in a word of prayer this morning? I will. Let's join our hearts together. Father, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude for all that you have done for us. So thankful. Help us to live grateful lives to you this week. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.